Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining in today's podcast. On the call with me today, I have Folajimi Olujibe. I am very surprised that I got that pronunciation correct, but I'm really hoping that I did. Um, Paula is going to be, or can I just call, can I call you Jimmy? Is that fine? Yes, it's Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy is good. Jimmy, Jimmy is good. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. So Jimmy is going to be talking with us today on valuation and pricing, setting a standard that works for you and your customers. So thank you very much for joining us once again, Jimmy. Before we thank you for you know, dive right in, can you please just give um, our audience or those listening right now just a brief history on who you are, what you do, you know, just introduce yourself. Okay, my name is... Um, I'm a photographer based in Abuja. I've been doing photography for about eight years. Um, I shoot portraits, events, um, products once in a while, but majorly portraits and events. Um, is there anything else I need to add? Uh, I think that's good. I think that's good. Yeah, okay. but you, you can talk a bit about, you know, like your passion, what drove you into photography and how it's been so far. Okay. Um, I started with photography because I've always liked taking pictures. As a kid, you know, my father was into a little bit of videography, but not like what we do now. Okay. You know, so... I kind of picked up that interest. He gave me my first camera and I I started doing videos initially, but then I kind of diversified and ended up sticking with photography. So I do photography now, even though I have the knowledge to do videography, but I just stick with photography. So I'd say my father was my major influence. Oh, okay. Wow. That's, that's really nice to know. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much for that um, very brief intro. Uh, we're going to dive right in right now. So first question, which, you know, a lot of people have been asking and talking about of recent, you know, pricing generally. It's not, I think, in like generally in the whole world, people are not always comfortable talking about money. It always seems like money is the last thing that everyone holds on to. You can set up your business model. You know what you are going to do. You know how you are going to do it. But that money matter is always very, you know, a lot of people like to run away from it. But how best would you describe your kind of prices? Okay. Um, my pricing, I'd say my pricing is mine. And I'll kind of try and explain that to you. When, when I started doing photography, like you said, we, in Nigeria and Africa generally, we tend to shy away from money. Like, talking about it is offensive somehow. Especially if you're working for a client who is either older than you or a big corporation. We just feel like, let's talk about everything else first and then talk about money last. But... Mm -hmm. They don't do this in Europe or America. People actually put their prices out first. So you even know the price before you ask them what you want to do. So when I said my price is mine, I was thinking you pick a price that works for you. Okay. After you've looked at your costs. Now, if you don't look at your costs 
prices, you can just randomly think um, a shoot is good for social price. But does it cover the costs that go into what you are doing? Yeah. So when I think when I talk about your actual costs, you have to you have to consider the things you put in, your gear, your time, the time it takes to do the actual shoot, the time it takes to edit, the things you have to deliver. So if you are delivering an album, you have to go to the printers, you have to sit down and do you know, some extra edits. So I have to consider all of that when I'm thinking about my price. So when you ask that, how would I describe my pricing? I would call it mine in that sense. Mm, okay. I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, prices differ, you know, from person to person. Like you said, the time and the effort you put into it. I like to believe that some photographers go the extra mile and putting more efforts than others, they put in more time than others into editing, into shooting, just different things. Some photographers are comfortable with maybe just doing things like just a few shots and they are good to go, while some people take a lot, right? And then, you know, so all these different things are what comes together to make individual price. Hello? Because yes. the effort, the time, the energy that goes into different kinds of photographs is all dependent on the photographer. Even yes. things like props. I know even things like props. Some photographers go way, like they put in so much effort to like have certain kinds of props, while some may not necessarily, you know, stress so much about it. So yes, prices yes. are definitely dependent on the photographer. That, that makes sense. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't make you less of a photographer if you're not interested in mm-hmm. props. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you less of a photographer. Some people just don't find it interesting. Some other photographers want to have as many props as possible to make the shoot look a certain way. So those two people now have to consider what they've spent to even get ready for the shoot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I said prices vary depending on the person. So my price may not work for the next photographer. He can't come to me and say, what do you charge for shoots? If we don't shoot exactly the same way, mm-hmm. telling him what to charge exactly it may not work for him. It, it may, may be higher too. than he needs to charge or it may be lower than he needs to charge. Mm, that, that's very true. So um, in a way, it is safe to say that our prices can positively or negatively affect our businesses. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just like anything, just like anything that we sell. Mm-hmm. First of all, what we're selling must be worth buying. True. And Very true. I know, that, I know that photography isn't like goods and services. I mean, goods per se. It's services. If you're mm-hmm. if you're putting your services out for sale, your services have to be worth buying. So people see your end products. They see the pictures that you're taking. They see that people look good in, in the images that you have, whether they see it on Instagram or they see a frame that you've made, it has to be worth buying. So if your prices are obviously way out and your product is just there, then your prices are going to negatively affect your job because then people think, uh, he charges so much, but the end result isn't so big. You know? Whereas... 
there's also the reverse where you do really good work but then you charge to that some people in their minds think uh, if, it, if it's so cheap it can't be good mm-hmm. you know that happens to us sometimes yes. you see some yes i know i know someone who thinks that way i know someone who thinks exactly. that way <laughs> but the truth of the matter is we all do to some degree all of us do it to some degree if you if you some people will tell you now that um if you buy a car on the road it can't be good why because it's cheap but is that necessarily true no no it isn't but that mentality is general and the higher up some people are the more they think they need to pay for services and if you tell them your price and it is way below what they think is good then they won't hire you not because your work isn't good but because your work doesn't meet the price range that they're ready to pay so yes your pricing can negatively affect your your work and it can positively affect it too Mm, okay okay so what would you say or what do you think is the biggest issue that you have faced concerning pricing and payments especially in your business Hello? It's the fact that you can do this repeatedly. Hello? Every day. Oh, sorry. Can sorry, you hear me? Sorry, please. Can you just start from the, the last question I asked? I think. The when, when did you lose me? So I, I lost you immediately. I asked okay, so I the again. question. Just answer the question. Just, um, yeah, just, just start from the, uh, the answer to the question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll start with the answer now. Yes. I think the, the greatest problem is getting people to understand the value of photography. And I think any photographer you, you ask would be able to tell you that a lot of people still have the mentality that all a photographer does is points and shoots. You point your camera at, at, at the person, you take a picture, and then it comes out. And because nowadays, the average person can take a good picture with their phone. They, they have that mentality that if I could do it, why are you charging me so much? But what actually makes a professional is the fact that that one image that they got today, if you ask them to get that same image or a really good image tomorrow, they might not be able to get it mm-hmm. or the day after. But what makes a professional is the fact that you've committed time before the day that you were hired. You've committed time to studying what goes into getting a good picture. So that regardless of the situation that you are put in, you will still get a good picture. Whether the lights are bad or the sun is out, whether it's morning yeah. or noon, maybe mm-hmm. indoors or outdoors, a mm-hmm. professional can get you good images repeatedly in any situation. But because they take one good picture with their phone, they think it's the same thing. So getting people to understand the value of photography, that's where the issue is. And when I say value of photography now, not just the know-how that you have, but the cost that for gear too. A really good camera isn't cheap. At all. You know, uh, I know that much. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was, I was looking through the internet yesterday and there are some lenses that cost $2,000. 
there are cameras that cost you $1,500. There are lenses that cost $3,000. I mean, I'm saying this in dollars because it's heavy to say it in Naira in my mouth. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what happens. Yeah. You can't, you can't buy one camera and use it forever. You have to keep buying because like anything you buy, after a, after a few years, they, they get outdated, they spoil or something happens, they get stolen. You have to buy a new one. So photography isn't cheap. It's expensive to buy gear, to update your gear. It's expensive to learn photography, whether you're watching YouTube or you pay someone to teach you, you know? So getting people to see the value of photography, that's the thing that is hardest. Okay, I think I totally relate to that because people don't understand that photography is more than just your picture coming out, you know, like you said just point and shoot and then you have a picture to go you know it's more about the creativity and you talked about a very important fact which is that photographers know how to make light of even bad situations whether there is low light whether the the light is too much whether you know even times when the subject isn't even prepared you have to just find a way to make things work it's like you're a superman right or a superwoman and no matter the situation, exactly. you know that your creativity has to come to light and make the best out of it because no one is going to hear all these excuses. All they want to know is they got a photographer and you need to get the job done. So I think I totally understand that. And more often than not, just anybody can't do that because it may seem like, oh, you know, just with my phone, my phone's camera is really good. Just take a picture and that's all. But it's more than just taking a picture it's about the creativity that comes into it and the creative nature the creative eye of a photographer is not is not one that anybody can just really you know get or have hello sorry i lost you again yes i i don't know why my network yeah. is doing this to me today like not today i can't deal with it today today is not sorry, i don't this this thing is just act however they want and it's, it's, it's spongy, oh, all these spongy routers that you buy and they uh, like to you that it will never go down. And <laughs> I don't even know, this country right now, we don't even have one, you know, trustworthy network. There's, there's no, there's no one that's trustworthy. Like I usually use, I usually use a um, nine mobile, but ahead of this, I just noticed that everything was lagging today. I try and check WhatsApp and then the message won't deliver. So I had to buy Airtel just for this. So there's no, Oh my god. <laughs> it's gone off again. This thing. I will shoot you. Please remember. Is he here? Hello? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, as in, they know. They know that we're talking about them. (laughs) And they decided to mess up again. Shameless people. I'm telling you, like, it's so weird, eh? Please, let me me just continue so that um, we're we're like halfway done. So, yeah, we're we're like halfway. So, um, I was saying that I think the most important thing, which a lot of people don't realize that they are buying 
um, or they are opting in for when they get a photographer or when they need a photographer's service, it's not just the camera, it's not just someone to point and shoot, but it's someone to creatively yeah. capture a moment that can last forever, right? So it's just, yes. it's more yes. than, it's more than what we can see. And honestly, you know, when you talk about the things that they don't even know that goes into creating those amazing photos, it is not easy to edit a photo. I know that, I no, know that not. one for a fact. It's no, it's not. not, it's not no, a it's not. task at all. But you know, people don't know this because the majority of editing that a lot of people think is just snapping on like a Snapchat filter. And you know it looks so exactly, mm-hmm. and and that and that doesn't work. That doesn't work for for the average picture. Going back to what you said about creating moments, um, imagine that you have to shoot a one year old, mm-hmm. for instance. The one year old doesn't know that you planned a shoot. They don't care mm-hmm. if they're in the mood. Good for you. If they're not in the mood, I've yeah. done a shoot before, and the child had to go and sleep during the shoot oh like she was so cranky and so irritated her mom had to feed her and then she went to bed so basically i was sitting down waiting mm-hmm. for her to wake up now that's not something you that's not something that happens with every shoot but when people understand these kind of things that go into a shoot then they can understand a little more so for yeah. instance now that girl's parents know now that if they call me for a shoot that kind of thing can happen but it hasn't happened with everybody but sometimes when you can just tell people ahead that sometimes you plan for a shoot and there's just it doesn't go things that come plans. up that yes. make it more difficult. Yes, that make it more difficult. Mm. So there's so, that. Yeah, I understand. So the value that they are paying for is more than what they think most times. Yes, yes, that's a, that's the exact that's the exact phrase. They need to. You need to. I was also thinking that you need to find a way to connect with your client. So say you meet someone who believes. Say he's 70, for instance, and his kids want him to do a family portrait with them. And then you say you need one hour for the shoot. Sometimes it's not even about price. Sometimes it's the time you ask for. Say you need one hour. And he's wondering, what are you doing in one hour? It's not just to take pictures. Mm-hmm. But then if you're paying it to him, your, your kids want to change clothes. There's a makeup artist coming to do mommy's face and this person's face. And then there's... So sometimes it's also being able to connect with them to break it down so that they are understand that it's not just to take the picture and go i mean the good old days when people took pictures then it took longer to set up the camera than it took I mean, to actually take the honestly, picture honestly honestly even, stand behind it, even cover producing it, it was know. a big deal yes i mean it was a big <laughs> deal then but there's still a lot of work that goes into this but because it looks instant people yeah. think it people think of it as less Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very very true so knowing the the way that most nigerians tend to be you know as we've already talked about a little about the way they undervalue photography and the service generally how would you advise yeah. photographers and creatives who are regularly underpriced i know we have more situations of people being underpriced than overpriced i don't think has anybody ever been overpriced I don't know. <laughs> no, usually it's on the pricing. Yeah. So how do what you are how, how would you advise? What are the advices? What are the advices? Don't do it. It doesn't it doesn't work out well for you in the long run. And I know what happens with us, especially in Nigeria. I'll stick with Nigeria because that's this is this is the place that I know. What happens with us is we're thinking short term. Mm. 
So, and it happened to me at the beginning. I'm thinking I need to buy this. I need to pay for this. I need to get this sorted out with physical cash. Because, I mean, we don't have credit services in Nigeria in a way that makes sense. So, you have to pay for everything with cash right now. And you think you've, you've, you've waited around for a week and there's no gigs coming. And then someone calls you and they ask you the most ridiculous price. But you're thinking, I just need money to do this. So let me just take this job and do mm-hmm. it. Now, what happens is that person underpriced you. You accepted that price. You pay for what you need to pay for immediately. But that's it. There's no money left to do anything else. So you start looking for another job to do immediately. And then because you are still as desperate as you were before the first job, it just becomes a cycle. So you just keep doing the jobs because you are desperate and you are doing them for the cheapest amount of money that you can get. And so what you started off thinking, let me just sort out this issue, has mm. now become a habit. So every time you hear that there's a job coming up, you are thinking of pricing lower than everybody else, even if it means your, your, your profit is Yes. Even though you're undervaluing your services, you've now gotten stuck in a cycle of just collect money for the service you just rendered and pay for something. Collect, pay. So it's right in and out. And I was thinking about it. Photography is a luxury. If someone doesn't want to pay what you think they need to pay, let them find somebody else. Mm -hmm. There's always someone who sells it cheaper. There's always someone who will do the job for cheaper. But don't be that person. So yes, it's difficult to say, how do I now sort out my bills and things? In the long run, you'll be doing photography for 10 years and you'll still be using the same gear, doing the same things, and it becomes it becomes less of a passion and more of a duty. Collect money from this end, pay for something on this end, collect money from this end. So what I'd advise is don't, don't get paid lower than what you need to be paid. What you think your price should be, you should set a range and say, okay, this is what I think I'll take. If someone comes up to you and they can't hit the high end of the range, as long as, long as there's a range that, you, that you're considering, if that person is even close to the low end, as long as it's still in the range that you think is, will make it worth it for you, you can take it. But don't just take today's job is this price. Tomorrow, exactly the same job. You're taking it even lower than you did yesterday. Then next tomorrow, that same particular job is way higher. There should be a range that you obviously if it's way higher, you can you can take that. But way lower is just never a good it's never a good thing. It's just mm-hmm. never a good thing. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. That's very true. Well, I know that a lot of people have um, issues with, <laughs> like you said, the day-to-day expenses. You have bills yes. piling up. You have, you know, all sorts of things that you need to pay up and sort out. And then you have this underpriced job. In that kind of extreme situation, it's like, how can I reject this when I yeah, know that? Yeah. Well, there's, I'm, I'm there's, not going to have anything. that I want to use. There's an analogy I want to use. I was watching TV a few years ago, and there was, there was a guy who was selling CDs. The CDs were selling for a dollar. One dollar sell the CD, one dollar sell the CD. So he walks into this antique shop, and the guy has these really expensive antiques. And 
one of them is like a hundred thousand dollars. So the guy is standing there thinking, when was the last time you made a sale? And he said he hasn't made a sale in maybe this month, for instance. Hmm. So this guy now says, Well, he's been selling all money. But he looks at him and says, For you to sell what this bus is worth, you need to sell 100,000 copies of those CDs. All I need to sell is one, and I'm covered. Wow. And I think we need to start thinking that way. If you hold out, if you hold out, you will find good jobs that will pay you well. But if you are so busy doing a small, 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 small job, even when someone needs you, you may be booked already for a job that, because it's happened to me before. You take a job thinking, I'm not doing anything. Let me just take this job. And you've committed yourself. And then someone else calls you and you know you could have charged more for this other job. But you can't take it anymore because you tied yourself to a job that's not worth it. So if it's not worth it, it's best to just stay away from it. Because there's another thing I was going to say. Once you undervalue yourself with a client, say for instance, the first time they hire you, they pay you 20,000 now. Let's just use a random figure. Mm -hmm. And you tell them, oh, I'm giving you a good discount because, you know, it's your first time. The truth is, they're never going to pay you more than that, ever. Anybody else they introduce to you is never going to pay you more than that. Why? Because they will pick their friends over you. So if it comes to telling their friends, they'll say, he will tell you 40,000, but don't worry, you collect 20. So you see how you've gotten yourself stuck in a bubble where <laughs> everybody that knows that person is going to pay you what that person paid you the very first time. So eventually you thought you were trying to gain one client and then when you get to know them well, they will pay you more. They will never pay you more. Their friends will never pay you more. So it's, these are things that I learned with experience that I think people should, people can learn by listening to me, for instance, now or listening to this podcast. It doesn't work. And sometimes some of these clients who you've undervalued yourself to, they're the ones that ask for the most. They keep changing the, the plan oh it should was for three o'clock well i won't be ready by three i won't move it to five and you have things that you are doing with your time mm -hmm. so you get there you have to wait around for them to get ready or their makeup passes hasn't shown up you know you just notice that the people who pay you the least are the ones that treat you the worst people who pay you a lot of money appreciate the value of money and the time so even if they waste your time they apologize and they say they're very sorry for this, very sorry for that. The worst clients I've had have been my cheapest clients. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like a life lesson, right? So it's always good to pick long-term achievements or accomplishments over short-term goals. Yeah, I mean, if, if someone has the chance to hear it from someone who's experienced it, mm -hmm. then they know. Because yeah. once you get stuck in that cycle of collecting the barest minimum from somebody for a job, of which they never pay you more than that, and they tell their friends who will never pay you more than that, then you get stuck in a cycle. You'll be like, okay, next month I'm going to raise my prices. But what happens is when you try to raise prices, these same people will tell you, no, this is why I paid you before. That's what I'm going to pay you. You know, so you just keep doing the same things, and before you know what's happening, it's been a year, it's been two years. It's been, mm -hmm. Even if you can now increase it so minimal, it doesn't match up with inflation in Nigeria, for instance. Mm 
yeah. or when you eventually decide that I'm going to raise my prices and you raise those prices, these people who you thought you had built a clientele with simply move on to another cheap person and leave you. So the time that you spend with them, making them your clients, you know, being there for their every event, it doesn't end up working out for you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story of something that happened to me. I met a lady. She, she got married sometime last year. I'd known her for about six years. And first time I shot her was, please, I'm having a birthday, you know, please just come and help me take a few pictures. And mm. I agreed, you know, I agreed. And what I should have done then, I learned this thing a while ago. They say, you either shoot for full price or you shoot for free. But don't do discount. So I told her I was giving her a really good discount. So I shot for some ridiculous price. And I did my best because no matter what you charge, if you've agreed to do a job, always try to do your best. So I did my best. And something else came up and I shot that for her too at, you know, a very discounted rate. And I kept doing that over the years. She'd call me maybe twice or three times a year or tell a friend about me. So, you know, I got a few friends of hers that I shot for once, twice, that, that sort of thing. But then she was going to do her introduction. She called me last minute. Oh, Jimmy, what's up? My introduction is tomorrow. I'd like you to shoot it. And me thinking, okay, since we're going to shoot wedding to introduction has come, I still mm-hmm. did that at a ridiculous price. And then I just found out that she had sent out uh, saved dates. And I'm wondering, ah, you've done said what happens with brides, especially, is when you're going to shoot your, when you're going to do a wedding, you have a budget for everything. Now, if you ask a photographer, say you have 500000 to do photography for your wedding. If you ask a photographer and they tell you, oh, I can do it for three fifty, mm-hmm. what you would do, or what most brides do, is they actually try and see if they can convince a photographer who charges 600 to do it for 500 They won't pay you that 350 to do it for them. Like, they won't pay you that 350 and they use the money for something else. No. If it's been budgeted for this, they are going to use it for that. Or they will look for a little more to add to it. So, doing photography and you're like, oh, 350 is a good price. If there's a bride who, who can afford to pay 500 she'd rather pay 600 than pay 350 so you see that I was the one, I really shouldn't get angry at her because the truth is she knows that since I've been doing I'll probably charge her little. But she had a little extra money. So she thought, why not go for somebody who charges a little more? So mm-hmm. there's a lesson to be learned in that. I shot myself in the foot by always charging her so low that when it got to the biggest event of her life, she just thought, nah, I have a little more money than Jimmy's level. So let me go <laughs> a little higher. Um... Honest truth. That's the honest truth. So when you when you see situations like that, it's better to learn these things early so you don't get beaten over and over again before you learn the lesson. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. No problem. Like, I no can problem. I can imagine how you felt, but it's it's actually very true. Because whether we like it or not, there's there's a way that we put these different price ranges in our subconscious, you know. So when you already have someone at a certain level, it's like, mm, okay, they are all right for maybe just any kind of event, just um, point and shoot, something simple. But for something very exotic like a wedding, 
she she wouldn't have felt like oh for his price range does he even do okay so uh the last question i have for you today how do you think we can uh, set prices that meet our work value and is still affordable okay uh, um i'll go back to what i said when we talked about the very first question you asked and that's how you describe your prices yes yes know what your costs are that means your cost going into photography so that you can fix a price at the end that makes it worth your while because the truth of the matter is you're not doing photography for people that you want to get paid for it so you didn't start this business to take pictures for people and make a loss so once you start thinking about your costs first then it's easier to get a price range that makes sense another thing is talk with other photographers like I said, in Nigeria, we tend to, mm, you know, if you ask someone how much they make in a, in a month, even an average person, they never want to tell you. Mm-hmm. That's because that's because we have this mentality of if you don't know how much I make, then you have to believe however I act. And sometimes mm-hmm. the richest people are people that make most money are not necessarily the happiest. As long as yeah. you're happy with what you do in your life, how much you make does not define you. But if we talk with other photographers and ask for instance, hey, I'm supposed to do this job for this person. If you were going to do the same job, how much would you charge? You know, so that they give you a, an estimate of what they have charged for a similar job. No, no two jobs are exactly the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can give you an estimate of what they've charged for a similar job. But what it also means is if someone else asks you, you can't be dodgy and start saying, eh, well, actually, I don't, you know, I don't think, I don't think it makes sense. Like I said, if you Google the average photographer in America, in Europe, in, some of them have their prices on their website. They'll tell you, this is what it costs to do a portrait shoot. This is what it costs for this. So you don't even have to ask them. You look at the price. Is it good enough for you? Then you go ahead. But here, because we like to haggle also in Africa, in Nigeria, we like, you know, the person wants to feel like you told them a price and they move you around. As I said, if you have a range, say, this is my range. Um, hello? If anybody asks, me i can't hello can you hear me and then since you want to haggle we can get to the middle and store low end but maybe they tell them price we should have told them let's have a range than to have a fixed rate since we like to haggle in nigeria it's better to have a range so that person feels like they just need you to take something off you can take something off as long as it's still in that range for you, you know. And then another thing I'd advise, it is, it's an attitude, but it still affects pricing and undervaluing. A lot of people like to poach other people's, other people's clients. And that's another reason why photographers don't like telling each other what they charge and who they charge what. Because for instance, say you've seen a, a client of mine on Instagram, because I posted a picture. And I already told how much I charged them. Some people actually reach out to these people and just charge a little lower than you charge them already. I've heard of this happening. 
I don't think it happened, but that's, that's just a really messy way to do business. If someone approaches you on their own, of their own accord, obviously you can go ahead and tell them what you're pricing. But don't approach somebody's client just because you know that this person charges them 20000 You decide to charge them 18500 That's That's not a good way to do business. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Okay. It's not a good way to If you get a chance to talk with somebody and discuss with them, you can try and get a feel for where you can peg them. Sometimes I Google some of my clients because I mean, I just, I just want to generally know are they living, are they living a big life? Are they on the internet splurging in Dubai and everything? Because everybody tells you they don't have money. Ah, there's no money. There's no money. I know, right? So sometimes it's good. Google your clients, find out who they are. If, if it looks like they're splurging a lot and they just don't want to spend a lot of money on photography, then stick with your price. If they, if they agree with you, good. If they don't, not all clients are yours. Not all clients are yours. Not everybody that approaches you is going to be able to hire you, is going to be able to afford you, is going to think you are worth it. Don't take it personally. Just tell them what your price is. If they think, oh, that's a little more than I'm ready to pay for photography at the moment. They may not say it as nicely as that. Mm. They may say, why is it so expensive? What are you doing that you're charging? But just let them know this is what photography is, my photography is worth because of the way I do it, what I provide. Because part of what they pay for too is you. The -hmm. conversations they have with you, Mm -hmm. your time that you're spending. So one thing I'd like to advise advise photographers is don't be, don't add to the problems that an event has. Say for instance, your client is a little upset already on that day. As a professional, you don't get, you don't allow that to upset you. There's sometimes when a client has raised their voice at me. I don't react to them. I just find a way to de-escalate or find a way to leave. Now, if a client regularly raises their voice, I don't deal with them then. I just avoid the next job they offer me. That's what makes sense. But to worsen the situation by either shouting at them or throwing a tantrum or threatening to do something it doesn't i don't think that's what professionals do so the idea is part of what they pay you for also is to be a support i help brides out on on the wedding day i have to help the bride button up her gown because all her friends had long nails and they were finally mm-hmm. yourself what price that you've been paid you help out instead of being a problem during an event you help out you don't stand in front of the bride's mother when they are they are doing the first kiss you can still get that good picture find a different angle you don't have to be a nuisance just because you are working for your money you know Mm. and i think all those all these little things also help to just show or put you in a more professional light to your customers and to your clients. Yes. And they will definitely, I would yes. say, value your service 
more when you act as a professional so they know that they are not just dealing with anyone even if this is a personal contact even if it's like your sibling or your cousin or whoever it may be that kind of professional touch make it seems like i'm here for business so that they understand that in pricing also they have to just go straight to business it's not always going to be okay i know this person or something like that yeah yeah it, it, it works that way because for instance i uh, i was working for a client and they politely requested that for the wedding day if i could if i could be dressed in a proper shirt and slacks and I mentioned to them that that was what I was going to wear already, but I appreciate them asking. Now that kind of that kind of situation makes it makes the bride happy because they know that they can they can request for something from you. It's not overboard, but they know that if they ask, you'll do it. It endears them to you because no matter how you think about it, clients are human beings, and mm. people may not remember exactly what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And if you make them feel good on their wedding day, then they'll call you when they get when they when they're thinking of doing their uh, baby star when they have their child. They'll mm-hmm. call you when they mm-hmm. when they need family portraits. You know that's yeah. the kind of thing that just keeps. Or you or you are working at a corporate event. Yeah, the corporate event doesn't have a particular face, but someone takes notice of you, the way you do your work, the way you carry yourself, moving around. And then they ask you, oh, do you have a card on you by some chance? And they hire you for something else, personal and completely off this. But he's already seen that this is a professional. So when you charge him, he can understand why you're charging him like that. One thing that gets on my nerves is the way photographers eat rush food at events. I don't get why we do that. Why do people eat like they have never eaten before? Oh my you know, God. someone made a joke. Someone said something serious to me one day. He said, see, he's sitting with a bunch of us photographers. He's a little older. And he said, he advises photographers to do one thing. Take 5,000 naira, 10,000 Go out somewhere by yourself. Just go to a restaurant that you think you like. Order for some food. By yourself, sit down there and eat it. Truth of matter is you realize that as good as this food looks and as tasty as it is, it's still just food. You are still going to pass it out as usual. So when you're at an event and you see the colorful looking food, behave yourself. Mm-hmm. If they ask you, oh, are you not going to eat? Yeah. Maybe I'll eat a little later when everything dies. Sometimes you see photographers, they're right in the middle of the line where the guests of the event haven't eaten yet. That's, that just doesn't show professionalism at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah, that's that's very true. So I rather than or more than just, you know, the hard skills, like knowing how to take a photo, knowing how to edit, soft skills are also important too. So important. yes, communication, time management, all these different things also play a very big role in how people see you as a professional. And if they don't feel like they are working with a professional, they are more likely to undervalue your work and just undervalue you generally, which leads to lower yes. prices anyway. So th- yes. that, that, that makes so much sense. That's very true. I think um, the, the last thing I wanted to just add to what you said, um, I've been thinking about, you know, the whole how to accommodate prices that can work for your clients. What do you think about 
subscription-based models. Now, um, when I say subscription-based models, not in the traditional sense of things, but um, you can have different services, right? So for someone yeah. who may not be able to pay up to your own price range, is it possible to maybe divide your services into different like you have, okay, if you want to get the full package, right? You pay this amount. If you want to yeah. get maybe a lower model, do you understand? It's like a subscription-based model, kind of. So take LinkedIn for business, for example. When you hear Facebook for business or Instagram for business, they give you all these different services and then you pay based on the kind of service that you want. So if you can't afford the entire package, you go for something smaller. Do you think photographers can adopt yeah. something like that in their business? Yes, I think I think it's a brilliant idea. The truth of the matter is, if it works for you. Now, let me let me try and explain where I'm looking at it. Say, for instance, you're a photographer who owns a studio. So you have a, a place that I, for instance, now don't own a walk-in studio. So I make the studio wherever I go. I, my equipment can move with me in the car to wherever I need to shoot. But say, for instance, someone has a walk-in studio and there's, I'm basing this up something my friend did a, a while ago, a couple of years ago. So it was called to bar season. And knowing that all the new wigs were going to get their um, official portraits done, mm -hmm. he decided to do, instead of doing the average, his average shoots where he may, where you get maybe two hours, and you pay a chunk of money, like a big amount of money. He decided that he was going to do back-to-back -back shoots. Now, because he, he owns a walk-in studio, and those portraits, are lighting for them are about the same. You can move the lights around just a bit, depending on the person's height and if they are sitting or standing. But it's his studio. And he thought in the long run that if I could shoot six different people in the same amount of time that I would shoot one portrait session before, or charge them just a fraction of the actual amount. Of actual amount. And in the long run, he was working more during that period and he made a lot more money. So it works out for the clients in the sense that, okay, I can't pay you for a full blown shoot, but I still want your services. I want your really good portraits. But can we do 30 minutes instead? I come in with my makeup done, I come in fully dressed. Basically, I may even have to come 10 minutes ahead of time so that once my time comes, I sit down, I start taking my portraits. Once my 30 minutes are done, next person moves in. Mm -hmm. And it worked for him. So he did that, worked for the client, worked for, for the photographer. So yes, I think this subscription-based model can work if okay. the photographer is interested in it. And if you can also think of a way to make it work for him. It wouldn't have worked for me because... I'd have had to drive to each client's house or to each mm. client's location. Mm. Cost-wise, cost-wise, it doesn't make it for me. But he didn't have to spend anything on transportation. They came to him. They just sit. He takes the portraits, very beautiful portraits. Next person comes in. I mean, if, if he was doing one portrait for that big chunk of money, and the person came in and said, I've not done my makeup yet, he probably has to wait because the person mm. has paid a chunk of money wait a bit for them to finish their makeup. But this one, the terms and conditions were there. You have to be here on time. Your shoot starts at so-so time and ends at so-so time. If you do not, you forfeit your 
you know, or yeah, whatever it is, or there'll be another arrangement. Yes. Yes, you know. And that was another thing I wanted to talk about contracts. A lot of photographers get into trouble when it comes to payments and things because they don't have contracts in place. And I think that's risky. Now, there, there are two ways that I do contracts. When I started photography initially, sometimes a phone call was all I had. And I noticed that sometimes people forgot what we agreed on. Mm-hmm. And they started to change what they said. Yeah. Not because they wanted to cheat me, but just because they don't remember. Yeah. So they tended to change what they said when the when they had actually paid me money. And that was getting dicey. So I started to draw contracts for people. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that I didn't meet some people until the day that I was supposed to do the event. And that meant bringing a paper contract to sign before. So it was getting a little clumsy. So I learned to do is even if someone calls me, oh, Jimmy, I'd like you to do a shoot for me. I'd like so, 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 so. After we've agreed on everything, I now ask them if I can send them a text message, either WhatsApp or or, or regular text. And then I, I, I break it down. So I now start with, um, you sent me five Naira on so-so day for so-so shoots that's supposed to take place at so-so time, at so-so place, by me alone, or if I'm coming with somebody else, the rest of you get soft copies by so-so day. And, you know, just breaking down the whole, all the details of the contract, and then I send it to them. Now they have to say yes to it. If they don't say yes, I don't tell them, say yes. I just <laughs> find a way to copy it and send it again. Yeah. Until they say yes, that they've agreed to it. Yeah. So that that way, if it now comes up, which it still does sometimes, uh-uh, but you said you're going to, I'll say no, this is in the text message. Or I just refer them to a message that they sent to me. Other, mm-hmm. I sent you a message like this. This is what we agreed on. Like, oh, 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 it's true, it's true, it's true. I was thinking about it, but I thought it would be too expensive. And you know, sometimes that's all they can see it in their own words or in their own agreement that they said yes to it. So contracts help. Even if you can't get a paper contract signed, some form of documentation agreement that can be referred to, yes, that can be referred to always helps. True, true. I think that that's also very key to payments also because yes. now you're dealing with business and as we just talked about, you're trying to be as professional as possible. So you have to yes, have some exactly. sort of documentation so that the point of payments, you don't begin to have back and forth on who said this and what we agreed on. Once something or is properly... Yes, I mean, exactly. Very important because if you are defining um, payment schedules, Everyone should know the payment schedule. How much comes before? Yes. How much comes after? Do you get everything afterwards? How was it even sent? That's another thing. If it's like cash payments, yeah. do you have any evidence? Because I mean, I feel people even have issues of you paid to the wrong person. And then later another person is beginning to question the entire yeah. situation, you know? So all these little things that yeah, seem exactly. like you can just eyeball it and move around in the long run, you shouldn't eyeball these things because now you're getting into serious business and you want to be serious about money. And I always say, please, as much as possible, be intentional about money. Don't just do things because you want to do it. Because at the end of the day, you're not playing around. You're here for serious business. You want to create the image or you want to portray your brand as a very serious thing. It's not a joke. So be very intentional about money. 
document you know what needs to be documented get into the hard talk if it's hard to talk about money get into it discuss it no matter how you know where the team because i feel some people have issues with okay this is my brother imagine you're shooting your brother's wedding you know how do you begin to ask your brother to pay you you understand so that may seem a bit weird that may seem a bit awkward but at the end of the day yeah i understand except you want to just go totally free i mean that's also their pro bono do it do it free of charge you have to have this discussion yes then it has to be discussed mm. it has to be discussed yes that's the truth mm. it has to be discussed you can't you can't assume that he understands that he's supposed to, like once we start doing all of that mess one thing i do though is i've learned i've realized over time i still find it difficult talking figures physically so if someone calls me and they are putting me on the spot, because sometimes people do that too. They try to put you on the spot. They try to get you to say a figure immediately without thinking things through. Don't do it. If someone is trying to put, you let them know that you need to do a calculation to get back to them. Let them always know. Now, when you do that, you watch yourself some time. What I now do is I now text them back because I still find it difficult saying, I want to charge you so, 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 so amount. And I've been doing this for a while. And if I still find it difficult, I'm assuming that some people still find it difficult. So what I do is I send them a text with the figure in it. Usually they text me back. And that way we've started the, basically we've started discussing the contract as it's going to be. There's no forgetting what exactly needs to be done. And if the person has hired me once before, tend to know that I'm going to revert to text eventually. So they just start off with texting me. Hi, Jimmy, I want you to do this. How much will it cost? Okay, let me think it through and do a calculation. I'll get back to you. And then I get back to them and let them know the price. So if some people find it difficult to still say price, don't let anybody kind of um, twist you into agreeing to a price that is really low. Hmm. Tell them to give you some time to think about it. Even if it's five minutes, send them a text message with your price in it and then even if they call you back you can just say that's the price i can do you for i can't really go lower than that it takes a lot of work you know you can just you're not talking the exact price anymore but you're sticking to your guns mm-hmm. by that time yeah and i think also asking for a lot of details i mean discuss as much detail as possible there are certain surprises that are good but in this <laughs> in this yeah, situation, yeah, you don't want you don't want any. Let me tell you the average one. Let me tell you the average one that happens to me when someone calls me to cover an event. Okay. And then I get there, and then they want me to do a portrait session before the event. Those are two different things. They're I know. Not the same. I like know. Like you call me, like you call me to do a, you call me to a child dedication, for instance. But then you want me to come to the house first and do portrait before we go to church. I'm like, that's not what we agreed on. So mm-hmm. when I noticed that that used to happen, I started to ask ahead. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to just cover the event at church or do you want to do a portrait session? So like I preempt them and I ask. When they say, oh, yeah. I want the portrait session, I'm like, oh, that's a different cost on its own. Oh, they're like, okay, let's leave that side. You understand? So you, like you said, you need to ask all the questions, as many questions as possible so that you don't, agree to cover an event and then get roped into doing a whole portrait session in addition yeah, to it for the same price. Yeah, because so, knowing exactly what you're doing. 
Okay, okay, okay. All right. So thank you very much, Jimmy, for that very insightful discussion. I think I've learned a lot and I'm sure for as many people that have, you know, joined us on this episode today, I know we've learned a lot about setting your prices, you know, looking at long-term goals and long-term achievements rather than just, you know, short-term outcomes. So I think personally, I'm going to review my own pricing model and my own like pricing strategy. I, I, I feel like I should go and look at it again to be sure that it matches with all that you've said today. So thank you, Just. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those who don't know, yeah, for those who don't know, please go and follow Jimmy Shoots on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, like he's everywhere at j-i-m-i-s-h-o-o-t-s so that's jimmy shoots uh please correct me is that is that your handle on all these social media platforms yes it is yes it is okay so i got it right yeah because i'm following you i know i'm following you already so please go and follow jimmy on all social media and you know he he's remember He's a portrait photographer. He does um, events. He handles product shoots. And, you know, he likes to add that little bit of magic that is needed in every photography, uh, in every photography category. So for any kind of shoot, especially for those of us in Abuja, remember to hit up Jimmy Shoots. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Jimmy. And we'll see you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. All right.